Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. Good morning. It almost doesn't feel right breaking that worship, worshipful moment that we were in. Um, but thank you, worship team. That was beautiful. So I'm Melissa. Welcome to all of you. I have been bringing a little children's moment every time we have our kids in here with us to worship. And so that's what I'm doing today again. So I have a lesson on good can come from bad. Do you believe that? God can use all things for our good. And like I always do, I have something here with me. Anybody know what this is? Sea star, you got it. I also heard starfish. Both are correct. So that's one. Here's another one that looks a little bit different, right? It's bigger. I don't have a great big one, like a lot of times at the beach. Has anybody ever seen one at the beach for real, a big one, a sea star? They're pretty cool. The way they can move, their tentacles on the back can move really fast. Um, So it's pretty cool. So it's more accurately called a sea star, like you said, Apollo, because it's not really a fish. It's more closely related to sea urchins and sand dollars. So there's not just one type of sea stars. There are over 2,000 different species of sea stars living in our oceans. Isn't that pretty amazing? God just didn't make one. He made over 2,000 different species of them. So most of them we see have how many arms? Five. Most of them have five. But you know what? I thought this was pretty cool. There are a lot of varieties that have 10, 20, and even 40 arms. Can you imagine seeing one of those? That would be crazy. 40 arms. A 40-armed sea star would be crazy to look at. They are quite unusual, but they're also beautiful. Today I want to tell you about just one of the amazing qualities of the sea star. So if something happens and a sea star loses one of its arms, guess what happens? You got it. It grows back. They have the incredible ability to grow a new one to replace it. I think that is pretty awesome. So here's a little story. Years ago in New England, there were some fishermen who were fishing for oysters, and they really hated the starfish. They got so mad because the starfish always get caught in their nets, and they weren't trying to catch the starfish or the sea stars. They were trying to catch um, oysters. So whenever they caught a sea star, they thought, well, we're going to just get rid of them. So we're going to just cut them in half or cut them in three pieces and throw them back. They thought they had it all figured out. But guess what happened? Year after year, they came back and there weren't less sea stars. There were more of them because of what we already said. They grew back. Every single one that they thought they were getting rid of, they actually were doubling or tripling the number of sea stars that there were in the ocean. So 
It houses, the sea stars house most of their vital organs in their arms, which is how they can live and reproduce themselves like that. Um, there aren't too many species that live like that or create or created like that. Pretty amazing, huh? So God built this amazing ability into them so they can survive and not just survive, but thrive and multiply. The fishermen thought they were doing harm to them. It actually turned out for their good, and it helped to sustain them and multiply them and for them to live on for a long time. So our scripture reference for today is Romans 8, 28. That reads, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. A lot of you in this room have probably heard that verse before. Raise your hand if you've heard that verse before maybe even had it memorized. I know a lot of our kids have that verse memorized. But if you back up two verses to Romans 8.26, it says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Anybody ever felt like they don't know what to pray lately? Maybe you just want to groan. Maybe you just want to say some words. Sometimes you don't know what to pray for. I think we've all felt like that at times. So we've all had bad things happen to us. We all have circumstances that aren't ideal. We all have had... Um, times in our lives where we feel like we're at a loss. The same God who made the starfish made you and me. He loves us far more than any starfish. So he wants us to have some good come out of the bad things that happen to us. So what are some bad things that happen to us? So kids, maybe you got a bad grade. God can help you try harder, study harder the next time. Or maybe find a tutor so you can um, learn that subject better. Maybe no one seems to be your friend on one day. Nobody wants to play with you at the playground. Guess what? God can use that to draw you closer to him because he is always there for us. Sometimes you get mad at a friend or a brother and sister. Anybody ever fight with their brother and sister? Anybody? I see some hands. Yeah. Yeah, I see some waving hands, two hands up back there. So sometimes we get in a fight with our brother or sister or a friend. Finally, you forgive them so that you can play together again. By forgiving that person who has harmed you or done you, done you wrong, you become more loving and more like Christ. So when bad things happen to us, we can turn them around, not by ourselves, but with God's help and the help of the Holy Spirit, we can have some good come as a result, just like what happened with the starfish. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your presence here today. God, I pray for each heart and soul who's here that you would prepare their hearts and their minds for exactly what you would have them to hear. God, I pray for Pastor Matt as he comes to bring the message today that you would use him in a strong and mighty way, that you would have him speak the words exactly that you would have for us today. 
Thank you, Lord, for each person here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Yeah, I'll leave it there. Yeah, that's good. That's awesome. It's, uh, we can give her another round of applause because it's hard to get up here, especially for kids' moments. Um, I don't know. It, my gift is not working with kids. It's funny because I was trying to, um, I try to explain stuff to my daughter, uh, Zoe, you know, when we're talking about theological stuff. And it's kind of funny because I'll get to a point where I just like, I see her eyes like glaze over and I'm like, yeah, I lost her, right? I'm not, I'm not pulling out starfish and stuff. I'm like, well, if we go back to, uh, you know, Calvin and, and Wesley, you know, it's like, well, and she's like, uh, she's like, I don't know what prayer is. So, um, you know, we've been, uh, we've been working on that stuff, but that's a, that's a hard thing to get through. Um, but I am excited to be here. I know that, uh, as, as uh, Sarah Lee mentioned, things can be a little bit tough. We're going to talk about uh, loss. We're going to talk about some tough stuff today. But today, I want it to be more of an encouraging uh, service for you. I want you to come away from here thinking and feeling that uh, we have a God who is miraculous and wonderful and encouraging. And so we're going to jump into a new uh, sermon series. We're talking about finding joy in loss. We're still on our theme of joy, still working through joy this year, which, again, is so funny how God just, you know, lays out of that was planned way before any of this stuff happened, and it was something that we needed, um, especially need right now. Uh, But before I kind of dive into that, I do want to say, I don't know if any of you have played sports. I would assume some of you have or have been a part of an organization or a team. Um, But I did a lot of sports whenever I was younger. I played lacrosse um, for Butler, and then I went on and played it for Grove City, and I went on and coached um, for Seneca Valley. And so sports were a big part of my my, uh, life. And I think it's easy when you're in sports, you're on a team, to focus a lot on uh, correction, right? When you get done playing a game, you can end up looking at the film and you, you go over it and over and over and say, well, I made a mistake here or we, made a, we, we messed up this play here. How do we fix it? How do we fix it? And then the, the next week is repetition, repetition, repetition. How do we fix these problems? And I think a lot of times we don't end up taking a step back and just saying, hey, like as a team, we're, we're doing a lot that's really good. And we're doing a lot that's, uh, that's really uh, amazing to see us working and, and, and meshing as a team. And so this morning before we, we kick off, this is just something, you know, they didn't, we didn't plan this or anything. It's something from my heart. I just want to say thanks to all of you. And there's a lot of people who are um, at home uh, worshiping that. Um, just, just a big thank you because we're a team. Uh, and, and we are working through this together, and there are volunteers that are doing so much stuff behind the scenes, that are doing crazy stuff, making, making it so that our online service can work, making it so that we have sound here. I don't know if you know that the soundboard went down a few weeks ago, and there's been people working around the clock to try and get this stuff um, up and fixed, and we have people who are trying to make it safe. We're trying to abide by new regulations that are changing daily. So there's just a lot of people, a lot of moving parts, and a lot of people who are really stepping up in big ways. So um, from a fellow congregation member, I am thankful to all of you for for that and uh, thankful to be a part of a group and a family um, that is willing to step up that way. Uh, but before we dive into Scripture, let's just, uh, let's just go into uh, the Lord with prayer and just center ourselves, kind of just get into a good place with God to, to hear what he wants to say to us and to um, speak to our hearts. So would you join me in prayer? Dear God, we just come before you. 
we just thank you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for this place. We thank you for our nation. We thank you for our neighbors. We thank you for our leaders. Even in this time as we're going through strife and struggle, some stretching and some, some movement that maybe feels uncomfortable or awkward, God, we just we thank you. We thank you for being there with us, for guiding us, protecting us. God, we ask for continued guidance and wisdom as we try to navigate through these times that are uncertain where we're not quite sure what it's going to look like or where we're going to go. God, for this morning, we pray that we just empty ourselves of ourselves, fears that are weighing heavy, anxieties that are there, struggles that we're having, things that we are trying to deal with, allow those things to settle down so that we can hear what you want to say. Please, God, speak into our lives. God, we ask for your joy. We ask and, and we, we beg you for your presence to be here, to speak to us, and we ask that we humble ourselves before you so that we can enjoy just reconciliation with you and congregation with you. And so, God, this morning we ask that, we pray that, and just speak to us and guide us. In your name we pray. Amen. So this morning we're going to, like I said, we're going to start into a new um, sermon series, and it's going to be talking about finding joy in loss. And uh, going forward after this sermon, we're actually going to be looking at the uh, Israelites' uh, exile. So in um, the Old Testament, the Israelite nation was conquered by other nations and eventually exiled out of their land. Basically, they were taken, um, all the best and the brightest of their nation were taken out of their country and taken to their, uh, the new places that, they, they were conquered a couple different times, so they ended up a couple different places. Um, but eventually, as we know through the Old Testament, they were set free. But we're going to be talking about how in that time, uh, how do you find joy? How did, how did this people of God find joy in a time where it was just they were homeless, they were displaced, they were um, made to worship in ways that they, they didn't want to worship. There was regulations and rules. Um, but before we dive into that, tonight we're gonna, today we're going to talk a little bit about um, a psalm that was written by David. So he, it, it pertains to feeling lost and feeling struggle during this time, but it actually doesn't have to do with the Israelites' exile um, as much as it does just uh, this idea of finding joy in loss. So today we're going to look at Psalm 30, 1 through 12. Uh, it's not going to be on the screen uh, because there's a little bit of a snafu. It's partly my fault. Um, so if you can look in your Bibles, it's right in the middle. Uh, and if not, you can find it on your phones. I'm going to read it. Uh, but it is Psalm 30, 1 through 12. I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refuse to let my enemies triumph over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord, and you kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. When I was prosperous, I said, now 
Nothing can stop me now. Your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me, and I was shattered. I cried out to you, O Lord. I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, What will you gain if I die, if I sink into the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can I tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. That I might sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. So a little background on this passage. Um, If you're looking in the Bible, many of you may see something similar to the beginning. It says uh, a psalm of David, a song of dedication for the temple. Um, This passage is historically uh, taken to be written by David. The majority of scholars agree that it was written by David. There's some discrepancy there where some people think it was written by a few different authors. But um, for the most part, people think that it was written by David. And there's a little bit, we don't don't know exactly when he wrote it or why he wrote it, but a lot of people think that he wrote it either when he was building his own home, and uh, it actually became interesting. This psalm became traditional in the Jewish tradition of uh, when they built a new home, they would dedicate the home to God, and they would recite this psalm during it, um, and the praising God and using that in a thing. And so um, some people think it was when David actually built his home that he wrote this first, and then other people think that it was when he purchased the land that the temple was going to be built on. So it was his son who eventually built the temple, but he purchased the land, and during that dedication, a lot of people think that he uh, he took that land and and gave this psalm as a a praise to God. Um, But either way, this psalm became very famous, again, in this, uh, this idea of dedication to um, God into offering up praise, even regardless of the circumstances. Uh, the Jewish nation had been through many, many, many trials and tribulations, and this particular psalm was actually used whenever they came back out of exile, and they came back into where the temple was, and they rededicated the temple to God. And that's why it says here um, at the beginning, a song of dedication of the temple is that uh, as they came out of this hardship, they still had this psalm that was written by David, and they said, this is speaking just like what we feel, this loss that, that we've been delivered out of, this exile that we've come out of, and now we have this new temple, and we're going to um, dedicate that to, to God. So we're going to kind of break down a little bit what, uh, what goes on in this, in this passage and, uh, and talk a little bit about where David was and, and a little bit what it means for us. Uh, but like I said, the... The sermon series is called Finding Joy Through Loss, and the main point today is God's anger is only for a moment, but his love is everlasting. So when we look at this passage of scripture, we see David do a couple of different things that's really interesting. Uh, The Psalms always blow me away, if I'm just being honest. Uh, The Psalms blow me away because... It's one of the only places in the Bible where uh, you get to see kind of raw emotion, uh, a transparency that you might not be able to see in other places. Uh, From someone who struggles with depression, uh, like I do, a lot of times I turn to the Psalms when I'm really, really, really struggling because, I don't know about you, but when I'm in that kind of situation, if I'm feeling really, really bad, or if I'm feeling in, in a place of loss or suffering or struggling, 
uh, I feel almost like a failure as a Christian. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll sit there and I'll think to myself, well, a true Christian wouldn't be feeling this way, or, you know, it must be that I'm bad, that these things are happening to me, or I've done something wrong, or God is, has left me, you know, or something. These kinds of thoughts pop into my head, and I feel alone a lot of times, and that's what the devil wants us to feel like, right? When we feel lost, and we feel suffering, and we feel down, the devil wants us to feel isolated. He wants us to feel like we don't have um, someone in our corner, and that we're the only ones that have ever experienced this. So I end up personally going to the Psalms quite a bit because David was willing to just kind of spill what was on his heart. And I think that's a big part. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, but I think that's a big part of why David was considered or called by God a man after God's own heart. He was called a man after God's own heart, not because he didn't sin. We can look through his stories over and over and over again that he sinned over and over again. He wasn't a man after God's own heart because he was um, had any kind of gift of, of necessarily prophecy or, or any kind of these theological gifts as far as like being a good preacher or, or any of these kinds of things. He didn't have any of that kind of stuff. He was actually um, passed over, right, in the beginning of his life because people thought that he was not someone that um, really amounted to much. And yet he's called this man after God's own heart. And I think it's because he was willing to um, just be real with God he was willing to share his heart with God. He was willing to be open and say, God, this is how I am feeling, and I've, I've messed up sometimes. And, and, this, and, and we're going to talk about how this psalm kind of sums it all up into that even though he experienced so much loss and distance and suffering from God, he was still willing to always come back to him and say, God, hey, you are here. And, that, and that's really what I want to go with this sermon is that we are in a time that is filled with loss, we're in a time that's filled with suffering, and maybe you haven't really experienced some of the loss. Maybe you look around and you say, oh man, I, I see on the news, or I see on social media, or I see with my friends that some people are really experiencing big things, um, like some people are losing jobs, some people are losing homes, right? They say that the uh, eviction rate is some of the highest that it's ever been, right? Um, there's people who are uh, losing their mental health, right? Depression is on a huge skyrocketing rise. Suicide is up right now. There's, there's so much loss and so much suffering. And I think as Christians, we tend to go through that and we tend to struggle to how to deal with it, right? Because for better or for worse, God promises that he's going to make things for good, and sometimes we take that and we see it and we don't see it in the right light. We don't see the grand picture that God sees. And so when we see times of trouble and struggle here, it gives us kind of a conflict of faith, right? We look at it and we say, either I'm doing something wrong or God doesn't exist. And those are two of the oldest and biggest lies that the devil will tell you is that either you are doing something wrong, you're, you're isolated and alone, or God doesn't exist. And David was willing to look at that and say, neither of those things is true. I'm experiencing loss, and I'm experiencing struggle, and I'm experiencing strife right now, but I have a God who is amazing and who loves me and who wants to be in relationship with me. And so it's, it's really, really amazing to see an author pour that out. And, and it's cool to relate to a person so, for some long ago, right? From such a, such a long time ago, I can read that and say, man, I'm not alone. 
I'm going through a lot of these things and I feel this certain way. I feel suffering. I feel loss. And yet there's a person, at least one, who has felt those things. And I know that there's more. And I can begin to feel um, as if I'm not alone and as if, as if uh, I don't have to go through these things or as I'm not a failure. And so today, uh, I want to just start out and kind of just start with the first point. Um, we're going to just dive right into them. How do we find joy in loss? Honestly, I think one of the big things that David did is that uh, he saw God and, uh, and he, how he saw God affected how he acted and how he felt and how he, how he lived his life. And we see this here in this passage. Um, and the point is that how you see God will affect um, how you react to loss. Think about David's life. From a very young age, he experienced loss. A very young age. From, from the time that he was a teenager, right, um, there was, there was a, a, a prophet who was coming to his home, to, uh, to Samuel was coming to his home, right, and he was coming to anoint a new king. He knew the king was coming from this family, but he didn't know um, which of the children it was going to be. And David's dad brought in every single son except for David to be looked at. Can you imagine that? Like, can you think about I've thought about that as like a son to have your dad pick everybody else and just be like, you know, regardless of whether or not you're young or whatever. I mean, he was old enough to be brought up it before. It's just his dad was like, well, it's not going to be David. That has to be a huge loss to David, a huge loss to his self-esteem, a huge loss to who he felt he was within his family. His value, right? A loss of value, a loss of, of um, love that he would feel. And then it goes on. Once he does get anointed, he goes into um, to battle, and nobody believes he can do anything. They laugh at him, right? He goes and he says, hey, God told me that I can do this. I can, I can fight this giant, this giant Goliath. I can do these things. And they all laugh at him. They say, well, you're going to die. Man, another loss, another loss. Maybe he's like, okay, well, I, I've got anointed, right? They say I'm going to be the next king, so maybe people will start taking me seriously, and they don't. We see David then, he kills Goliath, he's anointed to become king, and then his mentor, a father figure, Saul, the king, turns on him, chases him away. He loses his home, he loses uh, Jonathan, which is like a brother to him. He loses a father again, another father figure, and he has to go on a run and, and hide in caves. Then, once he does become king, it's loss after loss. He loses strategic battles through his life. He loses himself into sin. He loses his family. If you keep reading David, his son tries to rebel against him, and his son is eventually killed. He loses family members. David is just consistently suffering. And he's consistently experiencing loss. And to write the words that he writes in this psalm, we're going to read through some of them again, but to write these words is astounding for someone who has experienced so much loss and so much suffering. And it's because he understood who God was. He understood. He, the way he saw God was separate from anything that he experienced here on earth. He could see God and say, God is good. God loves me. And I know that that has no bearing on my current situation. 
Right? He, says, he talks about this here. He says, um, when I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. Your favor, O Lord, made me secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me, and I was shattered. I cried out to you, O Lord. I, began, I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, what will, I gain, what will you gain if I die? If I sink into the grave, can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. And then he goes straight from that into, you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. Of that list of things that I've listed off that happened to David in his life, not one of those things is a thing that you're going to get over right away, right? Not one of those things is a thing where you're going to say, hey, you know what? You know, I, I mourned for a couple of days, but now it's good. Hey, my son, he rebelled against me, and I had to put him down, and I had to kill him. But you know what? I'm good now, right? No, it's, he, he's still in mourning. He's still in this place, and yet his mind can switch and say, God, but I see you for who you are. That's why he was seen as a man after God's own heart, because he understood who God's, he shut off his brain, and he could feel, and he could understand, and I'm not saying that you shut off your brain, that, that to be a Christian is not logical, it is, um, and there's many, if you want to have that discussion with me, we can, there's many reasons why I believe that it is, but there is an aspect to your relationship with God where you have to say, I'm willing to look at these circumstances I'm in right now and say, you know what, they don't make sense to me, like Sarah Lee was saying. I don't understand some of these things that are happening, and I don't, I don't like them, and I'm not a fan of them, and yet I know in my heart who God is. I know in my heart because I have a relationship with him, and that leads right into number two, is that God desires a relationship with you. In these times, we lose track of that. And it doesn't even have to be a time whenever we're going through struggle. I mean, just, just being honest, I lose track of that all the time. I get so caught up. There's times whenever I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, did I, did I do this sin today? Or, or I remember doing this and oh my gosh. And it gets so, my thought, my, my prayer time and my devotion is literally just me running through things that I've done wrong or things that I want to improve on has nothing to do with my relationship with God because I've become legalistic in my thinking. And when those times happen, I have to shut down, again, my brain and say, God, I'm sorry that I'm doing this. Because think about that. Think about if you were interacting with someone that you were in a relationship with and all they did was just rattle off things that they were sorry about, right? Eventually you might be like, I don't want to hang out with that person. All they ever do is talk about the things they did wrong or, or say sorry. It's like, there's a point where, again, I, I'll have to give uh, my daughter money. I, I, I give my daughter a dollar every time I mention her in a sermon. So, <laughs> But there's a time whenever she'll come to me and, and she'll say, I'm sorry, Daddy, for doing this. And I'll say, that's okay. You know what? Let's go. And then she just keeps coming back because I know she feels guilty. I'm sorry, Daddy. I'm sorry, Daddy. Hey, we're trying to have a good time. I forgot about that, right? We're on to the next thing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And it, I, it, it's eye-opening to me because I'm like, man, this is what I do with God. This is how I interact with God. And all he wants is a relationship with me. And I think David realized that there was a time for mourning. There was a time when he can say, listen, I did something wrong or I lost something great. I lost a, a, a friend or I lost um, you know, my, my respect for something or I've, I've, my respect from people has been lost um, in a decision I've made. And so I have to acknowledge that and I have to mourn and I have to feel that sorrow 
But that's not what this, our relationship's not about that, right? You love me, and you want a relationship with me, so I'm going to acknowledge, I'm going to say I'm sorry, and I'm going to turn, and I'm going to try and not do it again. And that's the second part that makes David this man after God's own heart. Because David consistently, after times of loss and suffering, would turn and say, I'm not going to be doing those things anymore. Because most of the time, honestly, David caused a lot of his own suffering um, through choices that he made. But he was a man that was willing to say, my relationship with God is beyond these things. It's, it's not, it, it involves these things, but it's not, the, it's not the whole of these things. And I have more, and God loves me, and he wants to understand my dreams and my hopes and my desires. So I want to encourage you, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what loss or what suffering you're struggling with. Maybe you feel you have a loss of rights, right? Many people are feeling that. It's okay to acknowledge that right now. There's people who are, who are saying, I feel like I'm, my, my rights are being violated. There's people right now um, who are saying, I feel like um, my, uh, my freedoms are violated. We have our brothers and sisters um, of color who are, who are actively petitioning and fighting because they feel that they have been um, mistreated in this country and they have lost things. They, there's so much loss. There's so much that is going on that, they, that so many people are going through so much different stuff right now. But the truth, the very base, at the very bottom, is that we have a God, a God in the universe, who wants a relationship with us. He desires a relationship with us. And guess what? The thing that's crazy about David is we can see that that is the source of his joy. He's able to take in stride the things that come and say, guess what? That doesn't affect my emotional, stat- my emotional status because I know that I have a God who loves me. And when that's our foundation, it totally changes how we see the world and how we interact. We might not be happy. We might not be um, in a place of prosperous um, you know, receiving, like he says, you know, I was at a time where I was prosperous and now I'm not. But David's saying that doesn't affect my joy. It doesn't affect how I see you. And so that leads right into the last one. The last point that we have today is having a heart after God's own heart is the source of joy. Having a heart after God's own heart is the source of joy. There's going to be so many things that this world tells you will bring you joy. Honestly, in this moment right now, you might think if I told you that there's no more masks and no more restrictions that you have so much joy, right? But by tomorrow, there's going to be something else that's going to bring you down. I'm not saying that as a harsh thing. It just is truth. I'm going to experience something tomorrow, it being a Monday and having to go to work maybe. I don't know where I'm going to be like, oh man, I don't feel as great where I am right now. But that's not joy. That's not, that's not what they're talking about here. That's momentary. That's, that's, you know, this moment that I'm in right now is, is, is the emotional state. What he's talking about, this joy, is something deeper and it's something more. And it can only be found with God. Here's the truth, is that if you want to find joy in loss, the only way is with God. Because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense from our world. It doesn't make sense to be joy. It doesn't make sense that David wrote the words that he did. It doesn't make sense that as I'm struggling with something in my own life, I can still feel joy. 
but it's because we have a God who doesn't make sense, right? His, his, it, the, the Bible actually says that, that God's wisdom is the world's foolishness, right? The world looks at what we say, and they say, you are fools. This is not a time to be joyful. This is not a time to be excited about what God is doing. This is not a time to... to uh, to say we have a God who loves us, right? I, how many, I've heard that so often during this time. Well, if your God loved you, then this wouldn't be happening. It's because they can't understand. I don't understand, right? I don't understand a lot of the times because we have a God that is so beyond who I am. It's amazing. I kind of want to wrap up what I was going to say here with a little encouragement. Again, during this process, the coronavirus and, and, and a lot of the, the, the riots and a lot of the, uh, the civil rights movements that are going on, um, I've been thinking a lot about some of my mission trips that I've taken. And specifically um, with this sermon prepping where I was thinking about finding joy in loss. And this might be something that if you've gone on a mission trip before, something that you can relate to because a lot of times I want to talk to people who've been on mission trips. This is a similar reaction that they have as they come back. I was blown away almost every time I went on a mission trip by the amount of joy that I experienced in places that had unbelievable suffering and loss. I think back, I went to Costa Rica and we were there for a couple weeks working um, and we were working with a group that was doing um, work with children in the city. And they would go into, it's one of the most impoverished places in all of Costa Rica. And it's, it's one of those places that, you know, you see on the commercials where it's the huts, the, their homes are made literally out of like sheet metal that they just kind of like hobbled together. And, and there's just wild dogs running everywhere. And we would go into this place. And I remember going to a church um, they said, you know, today we're going to go to a church. And I didn't know what to expect because obviously there's not buildings down in this place. And, and what this church consisted of was uh, a little hut that they had built. And the hut had an upper room. And you had to take a staircase on the outside that I wasn't overly confident in up to this upper room. And I wasn't overly confident once we all got in this upper room that it was safe. But when I walked inside there, I was blown away. There was just children running around everywhere laughing, and there was people just smiling, and they were, they were, it was like I would have transported into someplace different. I forgot where, once the door shut, I forgot what it looked like out there. And it was because they understood who God was. They were there to worship God. They were there to worship a God who's amazing, and what they were going through had no effect on who he was. Just because they were suffering didn't mean that he was any different or that he loved them any less. And I was just blown away by it. I, I sat there in that, that whole service, and it was one of those weird ones for me because I, I don't speak a lot of Spanish, and so I was having a hard time understanding what was going on. But I could understand enough because I could see what was happening on their faces. I could understand that they were praising God. I could understand the joy that they were feeling, and it was infectious because it felt, it felt true. It almost made it so that, like, the suffering felt false. It was of this world, and so it was like, that's, that's momentary. That's not real. What you're feeling is something deeper and more powerful. 
I think a lot about, uh, we went down to uh, Church on the Street. It's a Church of God mission down in uh, Atlanta. I took a group three or four times down there. And we spent two weeks working with homeless um, individuals. And we would actually just walk around with them. They'd show us our, their lives. And uh, we would just spend time getting to understand like what it felt like or what it was like to do that. And the same thing happened. It's just joy. I'm like, you literally, I'm, I'm having a conversation with you. You literally were held at knife point last night while you were sleeping out in the park and someone stole the two apples you had in your backpack. That was a legitimate story that someone told me. As he's smiling to me and I'm handing him a muffin, right? And he was like, oh, did you get one? <laughs> yeah, I got, I've, I've eaten, right? Because... He understood who God was. If only because he understood the hope of where he was going to go. He understood where God was, who God was, and his relationship with God as a loved child. The fact that he didn't have a place to sleep or food to eat didn't affect his standing with God or his kinship with me. We were brothers Right? He didn't see himself as less than I, did, I was. We could, we could relate over that breakfast. So here's what I want to say. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're struggling with, but I want to encourage you. We serve a God who's amazing. We serve a God who is loving, who desires a relationship with you. We serve a God who is powerful, who is beyond the things that are going on. And I'm seeing so much happen within this church, within this nation, where we are in a time where God is shaking things up within the church. You should be excited. This time is not a time to be fearful. This is a time where you should be excited. And I know there's a lot of things on the news that maybe are, are worth being fearful of. You, you watch and you see maybe um, in, encroaching uh, things on our rights as Christians. People, people worry about things being taken away. Are we going to be able to, to get together the same way that we were? But here's the thing is that God is saying, all of this that's happening, I'm above it. And I'm going to do something different. Amen. And I can praise God. I can find joy in that. I can find joy in that t today. I can find joy. Even, here's the thing is, it's funny. Um, I know a lot of times when people look out in the, in the sanctuary and they see, you know, not a full sanctuary, they get discouraged. Um, I was the the lead pastor of a campus that we had started at the place where I was before this. And uh, we would get, I mean, the max we would ever get is like 40 or 50 people. And there were nights when there was like five. And when I first started out, I would be disappointed because I would say, God, you, I, I want to do things. Like, I want you to be here. Those nights when we had five people rocked the place. It changed it because God wanted those five people. And he said, guess what? I, what you're worried about, the loss of people, the loss of whatever you think is, is, is gone, right? Whatever you think is less than, I'm going to do more with. He's a God that multiplies the bread and the fish. He's a God that takes people who are broken and who are lost and who have, who have received the most suffering they've ever received in their life, and he takes them and says, you are the person that's going to bring in my kingdom. That's where we're at. We're not in a time where God is silent. We are in a time where God does miracles. Look in the Bible. 
It's during times of suffering and hardship that God shows up in powerful, amazing ways. I want to end with this, because I think it, it kind of goes along with that. Whenever I was down in Atlanta working with the homeless, um, I like to go to Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, Memorial Museum. It's where he's buried his tomb. And uh, I've been there three or four times. It's very powerful. They have a, uh, right outside where his, his tomb actually is, they have a eternal flame that's going. It's very cool to see. And, and behind it, they have this wall. And on the wall are his principles of nonviolence. So he, he wrote principles of nonviolence, and, and they have them, you know, kind of carved into the wall behind there. And I, I just like spending time reading them and, and, and seeing uh, reflecting on them when I'm there, and I took pictures of them the last time I was there, and as I was doing this sermon, I was looking back through them, and uh, principle number four, I just want to share it with you, says, principle number four, suffering can educate and transform people and societies. Suffering is redemptive and has tremendous educational and transforming possibilities. This is from a guy who's lost everything and was fighting for people who had lost everything and continued to struggle. And yet he said, guess what? Suffering's when God shows up. Suffering, suffering and loss is when we learn lessons. It's when we're shaped and we're molded. As long as we're coachable, as long as we understand who he is, we understand our relationship with him, and we understand his desires, then all of a sudden, Things that look very terrible, like suffering and pain and loss, become times of transformation and education. So I want to encourage you, like I said, I'll end with that. We'll just go into prayer. I'll, I'll invite the, uh, the worship team to come back up. I, I don't know what you're going through right now. It's funny because you talk to people and their stories are all so different during this time. I don't know what loss you may experience I don't know what fears you have. I don't know what anger you might be experiencing with what's going on, but I want to encourage you that we have a God who's above it all. And he says, I'm going to do crazy, amazing things during this time. I'm going to use you if you're willing. And that should be a thing that gives us joy. That's my desire in life. My greatest desire in life is that I want the God of the universe to use me however he wants to use me because it's going to be the perfect way for me to live. So wherever you are, whatever you're going through, remember those things. Offer yourself up. Offer yourself up to God and just say, hey, guess what? I know that things aren't great, but I can have joy in you because you are great. Join me in prayer. Dear God, we just come before you this morning. We just thank you. We thank you for being who you are. We thank you for the way you work, it's so counter to how we think we should work. And yet it's always better. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you for whatever's going to come out of this, a reshaping of your people, a reshaping of how we think about you, our relationships with you, a transformation of your church. I don't know. But God, to be a part of something that is working towards your kingdom, God, that, that brings me joy. So I thank you. I thank you for these people 
truthfully, honestly, I thank you for them. I thank you for their commitment to you. I thank you for those who can't be with us this morning. I thank you for those who are worshiping online, God. I thank you for our brothers and sisters in churches across the nation, God. Each and every person who is willing to look at this world and say, that's not the real. You are real. God, I thank you for each and every one of those people. And I pray that as we go and live our lives, we can open up the eyes of more and more people to that understanding, God. That we can let them see you and plant seeds so they can grow in you, God. We just thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Main is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.